act naturally. Freezer burn, civil war, jumbo shrimp, bittersweet, paper towel, that one gets me, proud humility. Now, to you, this may just be like, Hunter, this just seems like a bunch of uh, words in a random order. Do you like that? It's good. These are uh, examples of an oxymoron. Uh, it's uh, words that independently you know what they mean, but when together they seem uh, kind of contradictory, but yet you know exactly what we're talking about, right? I get told all the time, Hunter, just act naturally, please, right? Uh, but you know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Well, today what we're going to talk about is something that the world tells us, oh, it's so normal uh, to be prideful, to be so arrogant. That's so normal. That's what you're supposed to do. But yet it's so contradictory to the life that God has called us to as Christians. So good morning. My name is Hunter Upton. I'm one of the pastors here at our South Haven campus of Goodwill Church. Glad that you've joined us for worship, uh, especially for our guests this morning. Glad you're here. Welcome in the room. Welcome online. Uh, however and wherever today we're continuing in our message series uh, called Strongholds, where we're looking at what are these things that oftentimes have a strong hold on our lives that keep us uh, from living into the life that God uh, desires for us to have. And oftentimes, here's the thing is that those aren't uh, physical strongholds uh, that are often keeping us back, but instead they're spiritual ones. You see, we are, at, we are in a spiritual war uh, right now in, in our lives. And in the church, uh, there are several strongholds that we see that tend to rear their head quite often. Uh, last week, we talked about the stronghold of religion. Pastor Jonathan taught on that. We encourage you to go back and listen to that and the sermon right before that set up the series. Uh, but today, we're talking about pride. And in the weeks to come, we're going to be talking about the strongholds of accusation, prejudice, judgment, and fear. Um, so lots, lots to talk about, lots for us to wrestle with. So I would love for you to come back again next week and the next. So these strongholds, though, they might be trapping you, may they be holding you back, they may be preventing you from having the life that uh, God wants for you. Uh, but as the bumper video uh, had for us, it flips it over and what? But Jesus, right? But Jesus. See, friends, we don't have to be stuck in these strongholds because of Jesus. And so that's what we're, we're hoping to experience, hoping to understand as we go through this series each week. Uh, but it's, it's, it's the weapons that God has given us because of Jesus, uh, scripture and prayer that are going to help us to break the bonds of these strongholds. And so as we walk through this series, uh, we want to go more in depth each and every week. And so there was a, a, a kind of prayer God, a reflection God, uh, that we created. And so if you uh, haven't been able to pick, a, pick up a copy of that, I uh, would love for you to stop by the Welcome Center uh, in the lobby on your way out and grab one of those. Uh, but each day has, uh, there's a reading and a prayer and some reflection questions to reflect on every day. Uh, but as we go through this season of Lent leading up to, to Easter, let's wrestle with what does God want to do in our lives in breaking these strongholds. Uh, you can also go online if, you, if you're joining us. Um, you can go online and find a digital copy of that guide as well. Uh, GetWellChurch.org slash Sunday Messages. Also, you can find previous messages on that same website. So, would love for you to do that. Um, do want to give you a heads up if you do have a guide. There was a misprint. Uh, last week's reading and this week's reading are swapped but I'm sure as you get in it and you're wrestling with it, you're like, man, I'm really having to wrestle now. Just flip them and you'll be, you'll be much better. So, all right, 
That was a lot of words. Let's jump in. All right. Uh, so there is such thing as good pride and bad pride. And the Bible distinguishes between the two uh, for us. Good pride or positive pride is this sense of satisfaction or joy that comes from uh, our accomplishments, our successes that we, that we have in this world, but that are grounded in humility uh, and gratitude. You see, this good pride that we can have, it finds that uh, our giftings, our resources, our ability, all of these things uh, are, are because they are a gift from God, but also because we're paired with other people. We're not all on our own. Uh, often, it's linked to a sense of confidence, of self-respect uh, and self-worth, all of which are very important things uh, for the people of God to understand that we have uh, because of God. And so uh, we find this type of pride mentioned in Galatians chapter 6, verse 4. Uh, Paul writes, each one should test their own actions, then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. So that's that good kind of pride. Now, negative pride or bad pride, if you will, on the other hand, is this excessive sense of, of self-importance and arrogance that often leads uh, to disregard of others or to desire to elevate yourself above others. Uh, the Bible talks about uh, this uh, because of a lack of humility, of self-centeredness, a desire for uh, me being the center uh, me having power and control. The Bible talks about this in Proverbs 16, 18, uh, where it says, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Now, in general, good pride is healthy. It's necessary. Uh, it's a necessary aspect of life. But what happens with bad pride is that it often leads us to destructive behaviors. And ultimately, it leads to a disconnect from God from a separation from God. And so it's this bad pride that I want us to talk about uh, this morning. It's a stronghold that's this self-centered, this boastful arrogance that oftentimes we have that makes us take credit for everything that we are and everything that we do. Instead of realizing that everything that we are is dependent upon who? God. And in our haughtiness, what we do is we, we ignore God and we believe that we can get along uh, without him. Now, whether or not you believe that is you, and that you struggle with this, it is, it is a truth that all of us are plagued with this stronghold of pride. It's a powerful force. It takes us and, and, it, and it takes hold of our hearts and it leads us away from God. So, James had some particularly pointed words. Uh, for us whenever it comes to pride. So if you've got a Bible or a device you read from, turn with me. We're going to be in James chapter 4 uh, this morning. So James chapter 4. James, he's the brother of Jesus. He's writing to uh, the church um, and about the fact that they've been fighting and bickering with one another and not living into the life that God uh, desires for them. And what he points out is that their hearts are so far from God and they're focused only on themselves. And so he writes this beginning in verse 4. <coughs> you adulterous people. You adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is of no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace? 
Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. So is this the good or bad pride that James is talking about? It's tough words, right? These are tough words for us to hear, tough words for us to wrestle with. James, he begins this section with very strong and sharp language. And friends, nobody wants to be accused of this, right? Like, there, I don't want that. No, thank you. However, what James is doing, he's pointing to the infidelity of the people, to the relationship that God had called them to. They've given themselves to the way of the world instead of the way of God. You see, God had placed, because of Jesus, Jesus had given his life and he's gone to heaven. And what did he say before he left? He said, I will send my spirit. They had received the Holy Spirit. The church had those who had given themselves to trust Jesus. And what did they do with this spirit? James is saying, you've done nothing but cast it aside because of your pride. See, God placed his spirit inside them. They've disregarded it. Y'all, he's a jealous God, one who yearns desirously over what is created. And what he desires is that that creation would live into his God-given purpose and its design. And yet these people, because of their bickering, they have yet to do that. And instead of being his children, they've made themselves his enemies because they've disregarded his spirit. And y'all, that's a little more than just like, ouch, Right? This is tough. That's hard to hear. And what do you think has led them to this point that, that James is having to say this? Well, it's their pride. He was speaking about their hearts. And y'all, he's speaking about our hearts too. What's led us to this point is that same illness. It's our pride. And you adulterers, y'all, if that doesn't sting as we hear those words, because too often we think that, that Scripture isn't speaking to us, that it's speaking to someone else, but y'all... James is talking to us right now. If those words don't sting as you hear them, then I'm not sure what will at this point. Too often we think the Bible doesn't apply to us, but it does. And James is speaking to us. We've got to let this sit on us, weigh in our spirit, search us, let us understand. So do you believe this? Do you believe that you're struggling with pride? Do you see it at play in your life? Because goodness, how we've allowed the way of the world to creep into our lives, to capture our hearts, to grip us so tight that we think that we have no issue with pride at all. And you see, this is because of this, is that pride blinds us. It blinds us. It blinds us to our brokenness and to our need for God. It traps us. It makes us look like, it looks a lot like this, like everyone around me is wrong. You're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Nothing you do is right. You're wrong, I'm right. All right? Uh, it's also this idea of, you know, well, if you want something done, you got to do it yourself, right? Some of y'all are laughing because you go, man, don't I feel that one. It's a lot like, I don't need your help. I'm good. Whenever God could be wanting to bless you through that person wanting to offer you help. Pride so often comes in and it says, oh, I've got my act all together. Or at least I think I do. I think that the best that I have to give is the best that there is. Isn't that great? 
You see, y'all, we're blinded. We're blinded by this sin of pride. And what's so perilous about the fact is that pride blinds us is that it prevents us from having an accurate understanding of ourselves. Think of it as glasses. I was trying to come up with an analogy for this. Like, you've heard rose-colored glasses. Well, we all have pride-colored glasses on, on. And we don't take them off. We leave them there, and we see everything in our life through that lens. And it's all about me. Who do I care about? Me. Who comes first? Me. Everything we do, it's all about me, and that's that pride. And so when we look at ourselves, we don't see ourselves as who we truly are, as broken people dependent on God. We see ourselves as what we think we are, which is not reality at all. But what makes this, this, this stronghold of pride so dangerous is that oftentimes it's not just pride. All these other strongholds that we're going to be talking about, they often pair up with pride. Pride's kind of the beginning, and then all of these kind of plus one to it. And they add on, they begin to wreak a lot of havoc in our lives, and they begin to spill over into the lives of those around us. C.S. Lewis wrote about this in his book, Mere Christianity. And he says this, he says, The essential vice, the utmost evil, is pride. Unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all that are mere flea bites in comparison. It was through pride that the devil became the devil. Pride leads to every other vice. Get this, it is the complete anti-God state of mind. It is pride which has been the chief cause of misery in every nation and every family since the world began. Every single one of us has this stronghold. Every single one of us. And, and we've, when we've exalted ourselves in pride, God doesn't want to punish us. I want you to hear this. Yes, God has very strong language whenever it comes to pride, but his desire is not to punish us and, and make us low, but instead to forgive us and to restore us. I want you to look with me again at verse 6. There's the word but. And y'all, there, there are times in Scripture where God's word gives us this word, but. And it reminds us, and I want you to hear this too. This is the only kind of but that God can give to you. The world tries to say some things, but oftentimes it doesn't say these kind of things. But God is speaking this over you. Verse 6, but he gives more grace. He gives more grace, even though it's our choice to be proud. Even though God despises a proud heart and should give us over to our desires to be proud, he gives more grace. What a God we have. What a heart he has for us. He doesn't want us to be left to our own devices you see, I want, you to, I want you to hear this and think about this. What James is telling us is that there is no amount of pride that is too much to be covered by God's grace. You could be the most proud person in the world, and probably you are, and there's still more grace. There's still more grace. The more that we allow God's Spirit to come and search us and know us and point out those ways in us, y'all, you're going to realize just how proud you really are. And you're going to go, God, I need you. And you'll be met with more grace. There's, there's more than enough grace for God to pour on your life. He wants to redeem you. 
He wants to make you whole. He wants to free you from this stronghold. He wants you to live into the life that he's created for you. Do you believe that? I think oftentimes my struggle in in a lot of my walk with Christ has been understanding the amount of grace that God has for me. If you need to memorize anything today, but he gives more grace. While God gives more grace to cover all of our pride, it doesn't mean, though, that we can keep on going on being proud and arrogant and self-centered. Because here's, what, here's the truth here, is that we can't be proud and arrogant and still have a close relationship with God. They're incompatible. They don't go together. If you're going to be proud, you're not going to be close to God. But if you want to be close to God, you, you go the other direction. In verse 6, James is quoting from Proverbs chapter, uh, chapter 3, verse 34. And what he does whenever he quotes from there is it leaves no doubt to how God feels about pride, right? At all. And it's a warning to us that if we're proud, then God will oppose us uh, because we've chosen the way of the world. We've chosen the way of the world and we become enemies with God. But if we humble ourselves, what happens is he starts to show us favor because of that. And when we're prideful, we're seeking our own glory and not the glory of God. And when we're seeking the approval of the world, we're not seeking the approval of God. And when we're seeking the approval of the world, what does it do? It makes us enemies of God. It makes it very clear to God that he's not first. He's not first in our life. But instead, he's second, third, fourth, you name it. But he's not in his rightful place. So knowing this grace that God gives us and God has and wants to show us. James begins to lay out in verses 7 through 10, kind of how do we get to that point of breaking free from that stronghold of pride? So if you'll look with me, let's look at the first step. First step is to submit to God. Verse 7a, submit yourselves therefore to God. If you want to break free from pride, you've got to submit yourself to God. See what pride does is it shuts out God from our lives. And we think we've got it. I mean, if you think about it, the last thing that a proud person wants to do is to kind of lower themselves to sit under someone, right? Uh, They don't want to be told what to do. They don't want to be told where to go. They don't want to serve others or even receive orders. A proud person doesn't allow someone to direct their path. I've got this. I know what's best, right? They want to argue about it. They want to fight about it. That's what a proud person does. But you see, here's the thing is that this is not true for those of us who call ourselves Christians and who follow Jesus. You've got to set aside the pride. You've got to submit yourself to God. Whatever way he wants to take you, whatever order he wants to give, you say, God, you know best. Jesus, you gave your life for me. You know best. I submit myself to you. Here's the thing is that if God isn't the master of your life, then nothing else matters. You're going to fall into the destruction of pride. Submit yourselves to God. Second, James tells us that we have to resist the devil. Look again at verse 7, second part. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. See, I think too often uh, as Christians, we, get, uh, we find this temptation, and instead of resisting the temptation, what do we do? We just don't. Well, guess what? Whenever we don't, we find ourselves giving into temptation, right? And so it's this idea of having a, a plan. 
Uh, we give in too often to the temptation of the world, to our fleshly nature instead of resisting. And notice what, what James says here is that when you resist the devil, what happens is he flees from you. I think about uh, uh, Jesus in the wilderness at the beginning of his ministry. What does he do? He's tempted by Satan three times. And all three times, what does Jesus do? Does he just say, oh, I'm just going to kind of ignore it? <laughs> no. He uses God's word to, to resist Satan. God has given us his word as a form, as a way to speak God's word and truth to Satan so that he knows where we stand. And what happened? All three times, and by the third time, what happened? Satan flees. Satan flees. That same truth, that same thing that Jesus experienced, James is telling us, hey, guess what? You get to experience that too. But too often, what do we do? We don't resist. Know God's word. Speak God's word. Resist the devil. Because here's the thing. One of the most beautiful things is, is that Satan knew who lived inside of Jesus, right? He knew that he was God's son. He knew that the spirit was upon him. Well, friends, because of Jesus, because when we give our life to him and we have the Holy Spirit in us, when we resist the devil, he has no choice but to flee because he, know, he knows who is inside of us. It's God's spirit. Now, I want to give you a, new, a newsflash here. The proud person, they rely on themselves, not God's spirit. When you, when you resist the devil, when you rely on God's spirit, when you speak back scripture to Satan, it helps you resist and he can't do nothing but to flee. All right, third, third point that uh, James wants to point out to us as we break this stronghold is that we draw near to God. Verse eight, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. The proud person doesn't feel near to God. They just don't. Uh, but yet this creator of the universe who, who cares so much about them is actually close to them. See, the truth is that God is, is a good father who loves you so dearly that he wants to be near you. And so our pride, though, uh, has created this relational chasm between us and God. And so when we get rid of that pride, when we draw near to him, what happens is it doesn't just bridge the, ch the chasm. Christ does that, yes, but it doesn't just bridge the chasm. But as we continue to draw near to God and he draws near to us, what happens? That chasm begins to close. It begins to draw to a close and we begin to experience that life-giving, beautiful relationship that God wants to have with us. Friends, that, that relationship that Adam and Eve had in the garden, that's what he wants to do. He wants to walk with you, giving everything that you need as you rely solely on him. But you have to draw near to God. And what a beautiful promise, right? God, I'm drawing near to you. And if you're feeling so far from him right now, I promise you, God's spirit honors as we come to him, as we desire to be with him. He will honor this. God will draw near to you. Fourthly, to break the stronghold of pride, you must seek cleansing and purity. Second part of verse 8. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. 
Now, if you're sick and you go to the doctor this week, and I hope none of you get sick this week, but if you do and you go to the doctor and he prescribes or she prescribes um, some medication, you'll probably take it, right? Sounds like the wise thing to do. Well, what happens is with pride is we've been given the cure for this illness that we have. And it's called God's grace. But because of this pride that is in our life, it shuts out the grace of God from coming into our lives. Pride demands that we should be blessed because of our own merits and the things that we do, whereas grace doesn't deal with me because of anything that I've done. It's based solely on the fact that God wants to give it to me, despite of the things that, that I do. You see, grace is, is a beautiful thing. Because we can't do all the cleansing and purifying on our own. Yes, we, we work with the Holy Spirit in this. But all that our own efforts in, in bringing cleansing and purity to our hearts is going to make you nothing more than a good moral person. And I want to give you a, a, a hard truth here is that there are a lot of good moral people that go to hell every single day because they have no relationship with Jesus. We don't want to be good moral people. We want to be people who have been transformed by the grace of God who live into the life that he's called us to. And so we need God's spirit to come and to cleanse us, to cleanse our hands, to purify our hearts, to change and transform our minds as we come alongside and we work with him in that work that he wants to do in our lives. But we have to understand that we just have to open ourselves up to the work that he wants to do in our lives. And as we do so, that stronghold of pride, and I've noticed this more and more that as I follow Jesus through the years, is that, thank God, I'm not the same as I was 10 years ago. But that's because every single day I come and I say, God, I need you. I need you to do that thing in me that I can't do myself. And y'all, he continues to help work and loosen that grip in our lives. And the same happens as we seek cleansing, we seek purity in our lives. Now, the fifth thing that uh, James tells us to do may be one of the hardest to hear, mainly the scripture, but the point is this, is that we have to come to God and we have to confess and repent. We have to confess and repent. And if you want to break the stronghold of pride in your lives, you have to come to this point that he, he points out in verse 9. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Instead of laughing about our sin, dismissing it, playing it off, whatever, instead of the joy that we find when we sin, we're to recognize the seriousness of our sinfulness. We have to come before God and acknowledge our brokenness and that we've sinned against him and that we can't save ourselves. We have to uh, come to this practice of confession. It's when we confess with our mouth, verbally, to God and say, I have sinned. But it's also we, we share that with our brothers and sisters around us. If you want to break free from this, this stronghold of pride, you've got to confess. You've got to come to that place, admitting the issue, 
recognizing that we're sinners in need of grace and confessing our sins to him. And as we do this, James tells us to grieve, to mourn, to wail. And what that is, is it's a call to repentance. So we've got to recognize the seriousness of our sin and the damage that it's done to our relationship with God and others. And we've got to turn from the world and turn to God. We've got to turn from this practice of pride and turn to God. We've got to seek his forgiveness, his grace. We've got to turn from the world and ask him to help us to live a life that is pleasing to him. See, he's faithful. And he promises that he'll bind up the brokenhearted. And that's what that is. That's brokenheartedness over your sin. And he will come and he will bring healing as we seek his face in that. Are you broken over your pride? Are you ready to experience the life that God desires? One that isn't blinded by pride. So the key to breaking pride can all be summed up in in, uh, the last verse that James gives us here. But it's this idea of that we have to choose humility. We have to choose humility. Verse 10, James writes, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Now in the eyes of the world... This is an oxymoron, right? Like, aren't you supposed to be proud? But yet, God's word says, humble yourselves. Humble yourselves, and then you'll be exalted. This is the way of the kingdom of God. And this makes perfect sense. It's quite a shift in attitude, right? Quite a shift in our, our, our worldview, It's a shift because it's not the way of the world. It's actually the way of Jesus. See, Jesus modeled for us what true humility looked like, right? We see it as he goes to the cross, as he lowers himself. He could have counted everything because he was the son of God. He was perfect in every way, and yet he lowered himself. He took on the form of a servant. But friends, he didn't give his life for nothing. Whenever he gave his life, what happened is he's exalted above every other name. There is none who can be higher than him because of his humility. And so this promise of scripture that we're given is that as we humble ourselves, as we choose this humility, friends, I would much rather humble myself than be humbled by God. Okay, I'm just going to say that. And I was shared, someone shared with me uh, first service that Beth Moore has a quote that said, I'd rather hit my knees than have my legs broken. One day you will be humbled. This whole world will be humbled. It's better to humble yourself now so that in the end you will be exalted. Dave Ramsey, a financial guy, talking about managing your finances, has, this, has a phrase that he uses that says, uh, live like no one else now so that you can live like no one else later. Friends, let's choose humility. Let's choose to be different than this world. Let's choose to live into the likeness of Jesus so that we can experience life today, but even greater life in the life to come. It seems like an oxymoron, but it's not. It is a great paradox for us to, and a promise for us to stand on. Pride is a dead end road, and it's going to lead nowhere but to destruction if you don't break free from it. 
God made a way for us as we break this stronghold, and it's all because of Jesus. All because of Jesus. We don't have to be stuck in these ways. The cross offers for us an invitation to grace. The cross offers for us an invitation to life. The Spirit is at work as we submit to him, as we resist the devil, as we draw near, as we seek cleansing and purity, as we confess and repent, and as we choose humility. God's Spirit, as he does what only he can do, it allows us to remove those lenses of pride. And I argue, for me, it's not just some outward glasses that I've got to take off, and it's not even contact lenses. Y'all, it is the lens inside of my eye, okay? I need him to come and do that work that only he can do. I need him to remove that lens of pride so that I can see myself rightly and really say, God, I need you. God, I need you to do that work. I want to follow you. I want to honor you with all of my life, bringing you glory. Will you take this me, 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 me centered life and make it for your glory? So I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know what God needs to do in your life. I don't know what kind of lens he needs to replace or scales need to fall off or what. I don't know what situation it might be in your life that pride is hindering and hampering what God wants to do through you and in you. But I want to invite you in a moment to a time of response. You can pray where you're at. You can come down and kneel at the altars. You can call me or Greg over uh, to pray with you. But friends, as I say every Sunday, and I do think there's something special about this moment in time that God's word has been spoken, he's speaking to you. He wants to do something this morning. He is inviting each and every single one of us to that. So I just want to encourage you, lean into it. Let him meet you where you're at. He gives more grace. Let's find it this morning. And so I'm going to ask the team to come back up as, uh, as we stand. And we're going, to, we're going to stand and read a prayer together this morning. <clears throat> and then we're going to sing together. But let's ask God to give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to desire. Let's read this prayer together from the screen. <clears throat> Father, Point out to me the areas of my life that are me-centered. What are the things that I request of you that are not for the benefit of your kingdom, but only for me? Convict me of those areas so that I may be focused on your kingdom alone. Help me rightly understand you so that I will not be drawn to glorify myself. Let me understand more of your goodness and grace so that I will hunger for it more. In moments of waiting, let me be reminded that all of the good gifts in my life are coming from you. Protect me from the lies of Satan when he tries to convince me that I need something besides you. Let your spirit reign in my life today so that I may make much of your name and not my own. Amen.